What exactly is Carolina missing now that Simeon Wilcher has opted out? And more importantly, what should the Heels do with his scholarship? You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Thursday, June 8th. 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, joined today by our guy, Coach Pat Kilby. He's right over there if you're watching on screen. We want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first list, listen, list, <laughs> or watch of the day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college. And when you enter promo code locked on college, you'll get a free custom bird dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order you make. All right, coming up on today's show, I teased this yesterday, but Pack and I are going to have a conversation about what, what do you do now with getting back to having three scholarships available? Do you stand pat or do you utilize one or more of those? Also, we're going to get to our unpacking it segment with Coach Pack to ask, like, how do you keep a locker room together after this? And also, as a coach, how do you read what's actually going on kind of under the surface here? But before we get to all of that, I want to start by by asking this question of Pack. So I, I think I've said it on the show but in addition to my, my work here, I'm also a professor. I teach classes in worship in New Testament. And so when I'm putting together our worship teams, I, I interview students at our college and I always ask them this question. Let's say it's Pack, And I would say, Pat Kilby, what do you uniquely bring to a team that no one else does? Or in other words, if you were part of this team and you left it, what would we now be missing because you're gone? And what I want to do is take that question and ask it about Simeon Wilcher. So, Pack, let's unpack this question. What is North Carolina now missing because it was something that Simeon Wilcher not brought uniquely to the team because he wasn't on campus yet, but was going to bring uniquely to the team that no one else does? What is the hole in North Carolina's roster now because Wilcher will not be part of it. Well, I think Simeon was, you know, he was a really, or is a really good defender. And I think that's something that we'll miss out on. Um, and he's got this, uh, I was watching the finals game last night and I, you know, Jeff Van Gundy was talking about how Bam Adebayo has a bag, but defensively. And mm -hmm. I feel that way about Simeon, you know, he can guard multiple positions for his uh, position. He's a good shot blocker. Uh, he's really good with ball pressure. And so he provides a lot of those things. And I think those are things that we could use. Um, and so losing him means we lose some of those things. Uh, offensively, he just, he's such an athlete, you know, he can move with the basketball with speed. He's tough to stay <laughs> in front of. And so losing those things, that explosiveness, that hurts us as well. Um, and yeah, there's no doubt. Like if we, if Carolina decides to do something with that scholarship, they've got, you know, they've definitely got a hold to fill now because we're losing a lot and losing Simeon. Man. Yeah. And 
something I was thinking about with this too is even just like an intangible thing of like this dude has been he's a winner, right? Like Rizel Catholic just doesn't lose with him in the lineup because he he either does the things or helps teammates do the things necessary to be champions, to win and win a lot. And a lot of it is because of the things you said. But I think when you get someone that's like that, there are intangibles that you're not always seeing on TV or in a highlights package of what a player like that will bring to a team. And unfortunately, we're not going to now get to figure that out firsthand because he won't be part of uh, won't be part of the Tar Heels this year. He's going to go somewhere else. I honestly, I haven't speculated yet. I didn't speculate on yesterday's show. I really wouldn't be surprised if he wound up staying close to home and going to St. John's with with Rick Pitino and what they're trying to build there. I see you nodding your head, Pack, uh, as though you agreed. Are are you on board with that? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I mean, I'm not saying it's gonna happen for sure, right. but it I, would make sense. I would be shocked if it didn't happen at this point. Yeah, go to Kentucky. They need some help uh, in Lexington. <laughs> My goodness. Um, so, yeah, like it—it it is a unique thing that he brings. With obviously, um, I would imagine. T- tell me if you disagree with this. Coming into the year, we expect Seth Trimble to be the best individual defender after losing Leaky. Do you agree with that? Yes. Now. That said, I think there is something that Simeon was going to bring to that as well, as you said, that would help magnify that and and do some of the things that Seth does. So it's hard because now that means a lot more pressure um, to succeed defensively in that way is going to fall to everyone else, not just Seth, but everyone kind of bears the brunt. It's like if there are, let's say, you pack me and our two wives are doing something and um, let's say I step out, then everything I was doing falls to you or Sadie or Maggie to pick up and take care of because a member of the team is gone. And so it's like everyone now in particular, the guards has to pick up a little bit of what Simeon did to help do the same things that were going to be achieved. Yeah, absolutely. Another great example of that is like kind of when we lost Brady, we thought we would feel his shooting by attrition. You know, RJ splashed a few and Caleb splashed a few and Pete Nance was a decent shooter and that never got filled. I mean, quite frankly. So uh, what Simeon was going to bring defensively, we hope, you know, we can fill that gap um, by attrition ourselves. But also, I mean, like you said, we were going to talk about there are still three scholarships out there that we can do something with to help fill that gap as well. That's right. And so pack without getting to that conversation yet, because I want to, I want to save that for here in just a minute, but are there, and I I don't mean this in a addition by subtraction sort of way, because that's not, it's not that situation here. You know, it's not like Simeon was a locker room cancer. And so things get better because he's gone. So what I'm about to ask, I don't mean that, but what, what does, North Carolina gain, if anything, by Simeon opting out and and asking for release from his national letter of intent? Sure. Well, you know, we've talked about it a bunch. I think people could kind of see it. The backcourt was crowded. And so if if you were going into the year, you know, just putting yourself in Simeon's shoes, if he was going into the year with question marks already, 
of like playing time or concerns, then it's probably best that he did make the decision that he did because now we get to avoid having those um, issues. And like you, I'm not saying cancerous or negative, just if there's dissension or questions or concerns about why you're not playing, then that can cause or, you know, a, a drive or a gap between your team. So um, we kind of avoid those things. You know, I think Simeon is a great player. I do. But I also think, you know, we gain the opportunity to go get someone that maybe fits um, – more along the lines of the way Carolina is trajecting. Um, like in my example of this is Simeon can do a lot of things great. I think we can all agree he's not a great shooter. Um, but we need that. And we're kind of trajecting that way with what we're looking for in guards. And so now we have the opportunity to go get someone that can shoot the basketball a little better, but hopefully still fill some of the gaps defensively that he that he left behind. So yeah. Um, there's a lot of question marks with that, but I do think there are some positives to it in regards to yeah. uh, the roster. And that's part of the weird and odd, delicate balance that we have to strike in this day and age of college basketball. It's like, you can't just have a team full of 10, 11, 12, five-star guys because there's going to be frustration and disappointment and uh, potential fissures that form within the locker room because I'm not getting those minutes and I don't want to develop because I can just go somewhere else literally next year and play without having to sit out and wait. And so it's like, you almost want second, like not uh, that's going to sound like it, it's somebody that's not good, but like a second tier guy who was like ranked in the 40 to 70 range coming out of high school, you know, who, who could be a complimentary piece, but would be, pleased and happy to fill that role and that that continues to be this white whale that we're trying to figure out is how do you build roster depth by finding players like that who are good enough to be in that role but aren't so good that they're going to be frustrated that they're not getting 30 minutes a game and that that is the thing that that coaches the nation over are trying to figure out right now Yuck. I wouldn't want to be doing it. And so thank you to Hubert Davis and staff for their role in that. Now, Pac, it is this conversation we've teased. The scholarship count is at 10, meaning there are three remaining. There is now one less guard on the team. How exactly should Carolina proceed going forward? That's the conversation that's coming up next. But before we get there, I want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bird Dogs. I don't know how else to say it, so I'm just going to keep it simple. Bird dog shorts and pants just make you look good. The bird dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted tone. And I don't know about you, Pac, but I need that help with a truly sculpted tone. Bird dog shorts do everything that you want. They fit better than regular shorts made of stiff fabric. They do that because they've invented this cloud knit fabric that like resembles khaki, but it stretches so that you get a slimmer fit without sacrificing movement. Also, bird dog shorts use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on college and enter promo code locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler with your 
order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Okay, right into this conversation. So, Pack, I'll just ask it this way. There are three scholarships remaining. Should Carolina stand pat and do nothing because Hubert Davis doesn't necessarily use his bench depth or at least hasn't in his first two years as the head coach? Or should they do something and continue to look in the transfer portal or with grad transfers or even in the high school ranks, you know, with seniors who have just graduated to utilize one, two, or three of these remaining scholarships. What do you, my friend, think the Tar Heels should do? Well, there's multiple ways to skin a cat, but this is... That sounds painful, real painful. (laughs) This is my my take on it. You know, I, I think the days of, like you mentioned, the days of having... 11 four and five star players on the team like we saw sometimes in the Roy Williams era those those days are over and you're right you've got to find guys willing to buy into a complimentary piece role and so my philosophy or my thoughts on this are this 10 to 11 guys on the scholarship is about what we need uh, I don't so I would like to use one more one more scholarship okay and leave those other two for a walk-on that has earned that opportunity um, or, you know, whatever they want to do with those. But this is my thought on it. We have, I think, personally, I think we're good in the backcourt. I like where we stand. I kind of like do too, back. Pac. I kind of yeah. do too. I, I wasn't like, there, but I've been getting there. I am. Yeah, yeah. I like Cormac. I like Elliot. I like RJ, obviously, and Love Seth Trimble. That, like, that's a solid four right yeah. there. And somebody told me today in the comments, and I'll let you get right back. Sorry, just want to stick with that while you're talking about it, that that they think I'm sleeping on Paxson Wojcik. And and my response to that was this. I hope so. (laughs) Like, I I feel like he's just, I think he will get some minutes, but I don't think he's going to be like, if Carolina has 11 scholarship players next year, as you're saying right now, I would imagine he's probably 10th or 11th on the depth chart. Mm, or night, right? Like I can see him getting that high. I just don't see him being part of the regular rotation. But what I said was, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm sleeping on him and that he's just forcing Hubert Davis's hand to keep him in the lineup. But those four, as you just mentioned, feels to me like that's going to be the main rotation of the backcourt with those three guys starting, Elliot, RJ, Cormac, and then Seth coming off the bench. I think those are the four backcourt guys that get consistent minutes. Anyway, keep but, going. I just needed to interject that. No, to your point, though, I mean, the fifth guy, arguably, in our, as we know it, in our guard rotation, averaged 14 points a game at the Division One level last year. You could critique this roster, you know, all you want. We're better now than we were last year. Yes. Because we didn't have anybody on our bench that has averaged 14 points per game at the Division One level, and now he's arguably ninth, tenth, or eleventh somewhere, you know, on our roster. That's that's improvement for us, right. and that's that proves my point. I'm, that's how comfortable I am with our backcourt, but we still have a need in our front court. Yes, you know, to fill in some depth between that four and five spot. So I would like to see us fill that, and I would be. 
once that happens, I'll be very content with our roster. Mm. So, okay, right now we've got those five backcourt guys we've just talked about. The five frontcourt players, just to enumerate it for everyone, would be Armando Baycott, Jalen Washington, Jalen Withers, um, Harrison Ingram, who really is is kind of in between these two. is more a wing, but we project him to play a lot of small ball four, and then Zayden High as well. And so, Pac, you're suggesting... That, there's that 10 guys let's utilize one more scholarship get it to a front court player who can come in and be a true backup is that is that where you're at well or somebody that would that would contend for serious real minutes to me i'm looking for this and this is really i'm i'm not telling you who i think they should go after i haven't spent enough time really digging into it well, that's okay. Quick pause, because tomorrow on the show on Friday, the first segment is going to be about a front court player that I think Carolina should go after. I'm not telling you right now. You're going to have to check it out tomorrow. <laughs> go ahead. Great plug. Um, I think that we should go after somebody that can start at the four. Hmm. Or, or to start at the four. Um, I, I'm sold on this idea of Armando being the five and Jalen being a clear backup to that. Not saying Washington or Withers, Jalen Washington. And I'm not saying that means he doesn't play any minutes at the four. I'm not saying that at all. I realize that's going to happen. So yep. we, I mean, we did a show a, a couple weeks ago about, could he be the starting four? Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, but I just, I like, I'm more comfortable with him being the backup five. I like that for our roster too. Yep. And then go get somebody, you know, maybe even a grad transfer that can, be really solid for a year and that gives Zayden a little bit of time to develop um and I like that for him and for our team yes and so I think that in would the be short and long term like good for the team and good good for this individual team and good for the North Carolina program yes absolutely yeah <clears throat> man that's good I that's right where I'm at like I remember, I can't even remember who it was I heard first propose this a couple years ago as the transfer portal and the one-time transfer waiver became a thing. But this idea of on a consistent basis, not using all 13 of your scholarships on D1 high major scholarship level players because of because of what we saw this past, off, this offseason that we're currently in. And so, I, Pac, I've really come around to this line of thinking that you're talking about here of not even just using 12, like if, if coach Davis is, is legitimately consistently going to only use a rotation of eight guys, why have more than 11? Because even with that, it gives you um, some, some injury backup help, right? Like if let's say our, our Mondo has some issues with an ankle or something, if you've got a, a rotation that you regularly use of eight, hopefully nine guy, nine, 10 or 11 on the depth chart is somebody that can step in for that. And that is helping um, not get guys 12 and 13 on the bench frustrated. Now in a previous day and age where you stayed and developed and did all those things. Yes, that's fine. And you want to have those guys developing and just dealing with life. This is why I think it's going to be tough for Virginia to continue what they've done because they've so consistently redshirted guys, forced them to wait and kind of pay their dues and then come in. 
Tony Bennett's going to have a heck of a time making that happen anymore. And mm-hmm. so I, I'm, I'm right with you. Let's use one more scholarship. Let's use it in the front court or a wing, whatever is, you know, the, the person that Carolina most thinks will fit with what they've already got. And, and then let's roll the ball out and have a killer 23-24 season. And, you know, just real quick to add to what you were talking about, how many times have we seen – I know this is more the Roy Williams era, but J- uh, Jackson Simmons, Stillman White, those guys played some crucial roles on teams. And they – you know, when they came to Carolina, they were those 12 and 13 guys that we were talking about that were kind of like walk-on guys because they were just thrilled to be playing at the University of North Carolina – but they got in there, they busted their tail, they had potential, and they ended up reaching it, you know. And so I'm not saying that 12 and 13 has to be just a couple guys they pick Jim up. Jim Bob Cooter, yeah. Right, but just guys that, like we talked about, maybe by their junior year they can come in and spell somebody for four or five minutes and be pretty good, you know. So. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget Stillman White helped knocked off a Kentucky team that, featured a guy starring in the NBA finals right now when Bam Adebayo like yeah. I mean it that's a very real thing that's a, is that the second Adebayo reference on this show it is yeah and that poor guy got sent packing by Luke May and I'm always here for that yeah. noise um so there we go I love that really interesting conversation folks let us know what you think Carolina should do should they stand pat with 10 scholarships or use one or more of the remaining love it now It's my favorite time of our episode with Coach Pat Kilby, where we unpack it with Coach Pat Kilby. And so what we want to talk about is in a moment like this, where you lose a guy you expected to have as part of your roster in the summer leading up to the summer or to the school year, how do you keep the locker room together? How do you, how do you keep guys going? We're going to talk about that in just a second. All right. Coach Pat Kilby, it's time to unpack it. And uh, I've already said, what, like, basically, what do you say to your locker room? How do you keep them intact? And so let's start there. And then I want to ask you what your read as a coach is on this Simeon Wilcher situation. So I want to kind of tee that up because I'm excited for it. I'll ask you that in a minute. But first, how, how do you maintain a locker room after a situation like what's happened this week? Well, you know, the positive, here's the positive thing to it. I don't think it has just a drastic effect on the locker room hmm. because he hasn't made it to Chapel Hill yet. Yeah. You know, and so it's not like, you know, these guys have been battle tested together and they've been in the fire together and now he's leaving. That would be totally different. I think that great point. those type of fires to, that you put out are, could potentially be detrimental. Whereas this one is, more of a, okay, now whatever it was that we were planning for has taken a little bit of a hit. We need to figure out how to readjust. We need to figure out where we're going to go from here, and then we need to move forward. And, you know, this is just me speculating. It's not me knowing anything or any inside details, but based on what Armando had tweeted out about running from the grind, you know, I don't, I don't know if he's being serious or just messing around, you know, yeah. I really don't know because he kind of has that personality, but right. Um, Which I love about him, by the way. Absolutely. Yeah. I think he's <laughs> he's just guy. his own dude and I'm, I'm here for it. So good. Yeah. And he, he always speaks the truth. I love that about him, but you know, to me, it sounds like they're all 
a little frustrated with it. At least that's yep. what I took from it. Yep. And so to me, that tells me that the locker room is probably in a decent shape. Like, hey, mm-hmm. man, like we're frustrated you left, but it's whatever. We're going to stick together and we're just going to move forward from it. And yep. so that's the vibe I get. And honestly, I think that's probably good. Let's let's leave it at that. Let's move forward and figure out where we go from here. I love it. Listen, if this was uh, around the horn and I was Tony Reale, I'd give you a couple points on the bump there. So uh, way to go, Pac. Now, um, here's the other side. I want to like you deal with with players and families and parents all the time. And sometimes their their motives are very clear and obvious. Sometimes you got to filter through everything and figure out what's really going on. As you heard about this situation unfolding and saw what was going on, I'm just curious how you as a coach read this situation with Simeon Welcher. Um, I've got mixed emotions on it. Uh, I'll just, I'll just shoot you straight. I'll be honest with you. I, I'm disappointed with it. Yeah. Uh, to me, you know, there's kind of this picture painted of, toughness and more of an old school player and they it's something that he's talked about something you know his dad's talked about and I think he does play that way so I'm not taking that away from him uh I just think that this decision was kind of like uh the second that he felt like it was going to get tough for him to play he decided to do something else with it Hmm. and look like we've talked about already that's the standard in today's day and age like, let's go go somewhere you can play or go somewhere you, you can get that NIL money. You know, it's that seems like the way that most of these recruits are thinking now. I just don't prefer it, personally. I like the idea of having to earn something. I mean, my goodness, Rasheed Wallace came off the bench at North Carolina. And, you know, there was a period of time Antoine Jameson came off the bench at North Carolina. And lots of great players have. And it's just like, you're coming to North Carolina. You're going to have to earn it. You know, it's not going to be handed out to you. This is one of the best basketball programs in the country. And then, you know, I look at it from another standpoint. I'm like maybe even more frustrated because I look at it six months ago and Caleb Love was on the roster and DeMarco Dunn was on the roster and we still had RJ and all these other guys. So it's not like, you know, the backcourt is any more crowded than it already was. And so I'm just wondering why the decision comes a week before they start practicing and workouts. And that, that to me seems odd, but look, here's the deal. Most of you probably know this. This is, this is almost exactly how it went down. I'd be willing to bet. Some of these college coaches saw, Hey, Elliot Cadeau's reclassifying. This is a great time for us to call Sergio and Simeon and say, look, we've got playing time available. Now we've got NIL money. Come on. And they Come on in. The water's fine, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And they heard it and they were frustrated because playing time, they were probably frustrated in the moment because it is going to be tough to get playing time in the backcourt. There's no bones about that. Particularly as the main ball handler, by the way. Correct. Yes. Which they've kind of stated they want Simeon to be the main ball handler. And they've kind of, from what I've picked up on social media, they've kind of alluded to the fact that they think that Simeon can fill that role. And here's here's the truth to it. Cadeau can do it better. And so we went with the Cadeau route. They were frustrated. They got these phone calls. 
and they decided, you know what, let's pursue some other options for ourselves. And so, um, you know, to me, I'm disappointed. I'm frustrated by it. But at the same time, like I mentioned earlier, I, I would rather him get out now than be half in, half out when yes. we start to get into the fire. So. Yeah, I mean, you can't. We the the worst. Like, let me use the analogy of a romantic relationship. I would always rather break up and engage, break up while we were engaged, than have to get a divorce. Like. Yeah. Like, and so kudos, right? Like if you know now, wilt your family, like do it. And I'm so glad you did much rather than get into a situation like we had with Dawson Garcia a couple of years ago, where it was clearly, clearly a negative thing that was going on there. And, and so in that regard, I'm very grateful for the timing of it of, Hey, before we even get the team together this summer, as you just said, let's, let's just call it and pull the plug and do something else. Like, so, so for that, I'm so glad to break up during the engagement rather than having to go get a divorce paper signed. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm in on that, man. Going to be really interesting to see what happens. Pack. Thanks so much for kind of, you know, you experience all the, all these things as a coach and you're no stranger to having to deal with, people in and out and everything else. And so thank you as always for unpacking it and shedding your great wisdom on that. Folks, that's it for today's episode. Always a fun conversation with our guy pack. If you would leave a review for the show on Apple podcasts or anywhere else you can find to leave reviews. You can follow the show on Twitter at locked on heels. You can follow pack at coach underscore K 23. And you can follow me at Isaac Shade. If you want to have a more in-depth conversation about it or anything else, you can email the show LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. We're taking lots and lots and lots of listener questions this summer. So make sure you submit those either there or through Twitter, wherever else. If you would, subscribe to the show on YouTube, smash the like button. And as we've already said, leave comments. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to have a great conversation with 2025 quarterback Bryce Baker cool super great young man was willing to come on and talk about the recruiting process and as I've already teased we're going to talk about someone I think would be a great front court or excuse me yes front court addition for the Tar Heels really appreciate you hanging out with me and pack we just have a blast in here hopefully you did as well sitting around having a family conversation it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel We'll be right back with you tomorrow. But until then, let's see if Pat gets his peace signs in this week. (laughs) Peace out.